on today's episode, Addressing Common Running Misconceptions, Part 3. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, and smarter runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am the guy to reach out to when you've finally decided enough is enough with your persistent running injuries. I'm a physiotherapist, the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic, and your podcast host. I'm excited to bring you today's lesson and to add to your ever-growing running knowledge. Let's work together to overcome your running injuries, getting you to that starting line and finishing strong. So let's take it away. Let's do this, the last part of our quiz coming up with responses and addressing all these misconceptions. I do enjoy batching episodes and cracking out an hour or so and having three episodes on the go to use. Really nice, almost finished. Today we are going to discuss all things around tendinopathy coming from the quiz. So we have at the at the time of recording, we had 102 responses from the online quiz, which is going to go into my online course so people can take the quiz beforehand, attend the course. There's 15, 16, 17 hours of original content, which is pretty much like the podcast on steroids, going through the same topics, but just a lot more depth. We cover a lot more bases. We go through videos. We watch people running. We go through um, articles, literature, all that sort of stuff, and a really nice uh, way for you to grasp knowledge and to retain knowledge is visually and so that's my um, my attempt to try and do it outside of just this audio format. So came up with a quiz and grabbed a couple of the responses that I wanted to discuss, put them into three different groups. So the first one being things around pain, the second one around running form, and today around tendinopathies. And how many questions do I have here? Four. So it's going to be a quick one. But thought it'd be really nice to categorize them into these sort of topics uh, just for you to listen and to absorb the knowledge and the lessons a little bit better. As I've said in the past two episodes, if you haven't done the quiz, I'll put that link in the show notes so you can go away, spend five minutes to answer those 30 questions just for a bit of fun, bit of lightheartedness. Come back and we'll go through some of these trickier questions. And yeah, so if you haven't done that already, If you have done it and you're proud of your score and you want to take a screenshot and just share it on social media or tag some people into the the link and share the link with other friends just to test their knowledge and see how they went against you, uh, it can be a really nice friendly competition. But yeah, I thought it'd be nice to categorize these into three different groups covering things tendinopathy today. The first question that I wanted to address was the question states. Research has shown these treatments can help tendon rehab. And I've got a couple of options here, one being stretching, one being massage, one being foam rolling. The fourth option is all of the above, and the fifth option is none of the above. So what do you think? Is there stretching, massage, foam rolling, all of the above, none of the above, when it comes to what the research has shown as effective treatment for tendon rehab? So actually, it might surprise you because 45% of the people have uh, said that it's all of the above. 41% have been on the right track and said none of the above, which is actually correct. So stretching 
hasn't been shown to help tendons as an effective treatment. Massage has not been shown to be effective. Foam rolling has not shown to be effective. Sometimes for some people that can help reduce pain and it can help bring a pain level down momentarily. So like for the short term, some people it doesn't help. But when it comes to the evidence and you come through a very rigorous, well-designed, randomized control study, none of these will show that one is more effective at treating tendinopathies. So yeah, uh, well, when we're coming to the actual strengthening component of things, that can that has been shown time and time again to be the number one approach when it comes to a tendinopathy. So the correct answer there is none of the above. And if you want to give it a try, if you think stretching helps, go for it. If you think massage helps you momentarily, go for it. I know I've uh, done massage as a treatment for people in the past for tendinopathy. It can be really nice to settle them down momentarily, but it has to include strengthening. I'll have someone in my clinic with a tendinopathy. I'll release some of the muscles, but then I'll give them a lot of advice around the tendinopathy so they're well-educated. I give them the right uh, strengthening components, and then away they go with that knowledge and empowering them to take control of this uh, tendinopathy on their own. Uh, with my guidance alongside them. Hope that addresses some things. Question number two, I'm actually quite impressed with people who have answered this one. The question is best management for tendinopathy is two, and I've got a couple of scenarios. And so what would be best management? So we want to, number one, load up the tendon with strengthening, even if it's painful during. Number two, we want to rest the tendon until the pain is gone. Or three, we want to continue running if it's pain-free once warmed up. And this can get a bit tricky because that one was very tricky. Um, And it probably requires a bit of explanation, to be honest. But the correct answer is we want the best management for a tendinopathy is to actually load up the tendon with strengthening, even if it's a bit painful to do so. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. And evidence has shown that if we load up an Achilles, if we load up a patella tendon, if we load up a hamstring, if the levels of pain are under control, and some studies have been um, brave enough to even go up to a five out of 10 or a four or a five out of 10, that pain zone during an exercise, that can still be beneficial for your recovery. But we want to make sure that 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 pain level, that four or five stays a four out of five afterwards or settles back down and it still stabilizes the next day. We don't want it to increase beyond that five because that means we've overloaded it. But anywhere below a four, out of 10 can actually be quite healthy for the tendon. And if we're trying to strengthen the tendon when it's at complete zero, we're probably treating it a bit more conservatively and it's not going to allow recovery as quickly. So yes, you can load up the tendon, even if it is a bit painful. The tricky option in here is um, I've put in here, continue to run, even uh, continue running if it's pain-free once it's warmed up, that can actually put you in a false sense of security because it could be a little bit painful. Let's just say it's a three out of 10 when you are when you start running. Once it's warmed up, that pain goes to complete zero. If you were to keep running at zero, but still overload the tendon, it can come back to bite you 
and afterwards it could be achy, the next day it could be really sore. So that could be a bit of a hidden danger that I often see with my runners. And some people don't make the connection that it has been the running. What they do is they run pain-free and they think that's fine. They go into work, they sit down for a couple of hours, the pain starts to come on and they associate it with either sitting or desk work or something that they've done after their run but really you've overloaded it with the run and then once you've cooled down and the next day that's when the repercussions start to surface so continuing to run even though the pain has warmed up and the pain's gone away is a bit of a hidden danger but like I said I'm really impressed with people who've answered this because only 14% answered that question with the continue to run once it's pain-free when warmed up and 60% or close to 60% have chose the correct answer, which would be loading up the tendon even if it's a bit painful. That second option, which would be rest until the pain is gone, hopefully those who have listened to this podcast know that rest is not always best. And if you rest beyond, um, sometimes it's nice to rest for say two days if it's really flared up and allowed to settle down. But those who rest until it's pain-free can be delaying the process and can what they're doing is uh, fostering an environment where that tendon just gets weaker and weaker and weaker and can really inhibit recovery. So we want to be really careful with that. If you want to go back to the top 10 principles to overcome any running injury, there's the rest not always best episode, which explains that in detail. Number three, we have, if you were to change anything with your running technique while you are pain-free, what should it be or what should we do? The options that we have are reduced overstriding, we have reduced heel strike, reduced pronation, or all of the above. And this one can be quite tricky also. So we're looking at someone who is pain-free. And if someone were in pain, then we would find on an individual basis whether we want to change mechanics, whether we want to increase cadence, whether we want to change their step width, whether we want to change what their foot mechanics are doing based on their level of injury and based on their individual circumstances. But in this scenario, we have someone who is pain-free and if we were to change anything, what would we do? The correct answer is actually reducing overstride. So it doesn't matter what Uh, how you contact the ground, whether it's with the forefoot, whether it's like a flat foot, whether it's with the heel, that doesn't matter. Everyone, oh, there's a common misconception out there that people want to transition to a forefoot running because it's better for you. There's been no evidence to show that. And 80% of all the runners out there, no matter if it's elite or beginner, 80% of them are heel strikers. And it goes to show in the general population, heel striking is completely normal and it's completely fine. And what we want to concern ourselves with is if you overreach and you contact the ground further in front of your body when you do run, because that can start to produce a few braking forces and we're not really allowing a efficient technique. And what people have answered, if I've given them the option to overstride, heel strike or pronate, 47% of the people have taken part in the quiz have said it's all of the above. And the correct answer being overstriding, so 49% of the people, so half the people have said uh, the correct answer, which is reduce your overstride. So pretty good effort and zero 
just chose pronation to reduce pronation on its own. So well done for that. (laughs) It's been a nice short, sharp episode today. The last one I want to talk about is around chronic tendinopathies. And so the question is, a chronic tendon, say if it goes beyond 12 months of pain, will most likely revert back to a normal tendon if treated well, if treated correctly. And 63% of the people think that that's true. It's actually false. If we follow Jill Cook's uh, tendinopathy continuum, which is really hard to discuss just on a podcast format, but in the course we go through it in a little bit of detail, there is a continuum when a tendon does get injured and goes a little bit of a reaction. And if it's mistreated and that tendinopathy continues into months and months and months, if it goes beyond six months, it starts to degenerate and the healthy portions of the tendon start to change and the actual structure, the collagen and the breakdown of that tendon starts to make changes and that those changes start to become irreversible. The further in, like if someone's had a tendinopathy for 12 months, it's less and less likely that that's going to revert, revert back to a healthy tendon. But not all hope is lost. We do see people with tendinopathies all the time, some with two, three, four, five, ten 10 years of tendinopathy. What we do with rehab in that case is we try and strengthen and increase the function of the healthy portions of the tendon. So when someone has a tendinopathy, it's not the entire tendon that's affected. It's only a small portion that's producing the pain and loss of function. So what we can do is try and strengthen all the fibers, all the healthy fibers around that degenerative tendon, and that can lead to a pain-free function, fully functioning tendon. So not all hope is lost. There's definitely uh, enough opportunity to get you back to a pain-free, fully functioning state. But uh, it's just realistic that you'll have to have parts of those tendons or portions of those tendons that are irreversible when uh, that have irreversible tendon degeneration. So interesting to know. It was something that I um, was shocked to learn when I first started learning about physio and becoming a physio. And it's just a a common um, reality that we need to face. If someone does have a degenerative tendon and we do build on their strength of the healthy portions and we do get them to pain-free and we do get them fully functioning, they are at an increased likelihood of that tendon flaring up once again because the whole tendon isn't really that healthy anymore. And so we call that a reactive over degenerative tendon. But as long as you have the correct steps in place, if you have the correct strengthening exercises, if your rehab and your running protocol is top-notch, it significantly reduces another flare-up. And the goal is just to continue to stay strong. So again, understanding the importance of strengthening. Not only is that the last question, but that is the last part, the last episode of this little misconception mini-series. I hope you have enjoyed it. Perhaps it's helped confirm some of your already existing biases or understanding of what you have with running, but hopefully also it's helped address maybe some misconceptions you might have and help challenge your thinking a little bit, help challenge your beliefs of what you think might be happening with your running technique or your form or what you've been told in the past when it comes to injuries. Um, This is what the podcast is here for, to help clear up some answers. As soon as there's... uh, 
other research or other lecturers or other books to come out to prove me wrong. I'm more than happy to listen. And if I do learn any new concepts, if I do learn any um, myth busting or misconceptions or anything that challenges my way of thinking, you're going to be the first to hear from it because I'm going to be learning along the way as well. Like I said, I haven't claimed to know everything. I just try and try my best into studying as much as I can and keeping up to date on the latest research. Uh, so my opinions, my thoughts, my beliefs have changed so much in the last couple of years. No doubt they're going to continue changing. And yeah, we're going to learn along the same lines together. So once again, thanks again for taking the time to come in and have a listen to another episode. Really enjoying all the support that this podcast is getting. Really, really enjoying the um, popularity it's getting and the amount of downloads that's been increasing since it started. So um, look forward to continuing to drive through this mission together and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Running Smarter Podcast. I hope you can see the impact this content will have on your future running. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and keep listening. If you want to learn quicker, jump into the Facebook group titled Become a Smarter Runner. If you want tailored education and physio rehab, you can personally work with me at breakthroughrunning.physio. Thank you so much once again. And remember, knowledge is power.